In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to train your dog for real life results. Now, today we're tackling, it is an age old topic. Mm-hmm. It's also a very current topic. Yeah. It's also a topic that you and me have recently been through with different dogs. Yeah. And it's a topic that I think everyone is crying out for more help on. Mm-hmm. How do I get more food motivation? How do I create yeah. food motivation in what is seemingly a non-foodie dog. Yeah, absolutely. And the answer to that is this is totally changeable. And just because your dog might not be that excited by their food, they might not value their food, they might not really want to stick around with you for their food right now, actually that can totally change. And what we thought would be useful is actually to dedicate an entire episode of the podcast to actually troubleshooting this and how we would grow it. And we absolutely know the value of this, the true importance of this, the lifelong value of this, the short-term value of this, and actually how much you can do if you get this right. So actually, whilst this is seemingly a very small sort of topic, it's actually only tip of the iceberg, the results that you might get if you change even 20% of this, 30% of this, like even if you change a tiny small part uh, portion of Mm. uh, this food picture puzzle, you can really change you and your dog's life. So first things first to think about is actually we're going to ditch that bowl and we're going to turn those little tiny pieces of food into experiences. And the reason why that's really useful is really kind of twofold. First of all, what the, you know, a characteristic that's consistent across all animals is they prefer to work for something and they value that thing more if they work for it. It's called contra-freeloading. And effectively, the more you get your dog to work with their food or for their food, and we'll talk about that in a second because it doesn't need to look like very, very strict work, um, the better. And then the second is actually dogs value experiences more than taste. Um, certain dogs value taste a lot, but um, a lot of dogs, actually, they value the experience over the taste taste much more. It's like they've never tasted the squirrel and yet they really value the experience of chasing the squirrel. And so you're going to take that pot of daily value, that daily food allowance, and you're going to say, right, I am going to make my dog work for this a little bit and grow these experiences as well. Our next tip, and we're going to do a series of these now because I think this is somewhere we can really grow value here, is actually let's not give our dog something for nothing. Let's really make sure that we stay quite dedicated to this. So be purposeful about what you do with this food. We've ditched the bowl. We're creating, like Tom said, experiences. Let's be purposeful, though. Let's be mindful. So I'm going to say I compete in dog agility. I go to a competition on a often a weekend, a Saturday, Sunday. I was at a competition last Saturday. I competed with Easy. She was actually really cool. 
cool and we had lots of cool fun. Every bit of food she had that day was about getting into the vehicle, getting out of the vehicle, mm. focusing on me around the other dogs, uh, recalling, staying in close proximity, having a head collar put back on, having a harness put back on, having her uh, lead and harness picked up, loose lead walking. And in the morning, did I feed her? No. And in the evening when I got back from my event, did I feed her? No. Now, lots of people out there might be thinking, oh my goodness, this dog is starving. No, actually, when I looked at it, she probably had had more than she would ever have in a day. And to the point that really the next day I had to consider how much I gave her, or you might just upset her tummy. And actually, I really needed to be mindful about how many opportunities. So every piece of food is actually quite purposeful. So we really do need to be purposeful about the food that we're using and thinking and and how how we're actually dividing it. And for easy, where am I spending it? On what experience am I going to spend it on? So for easy, it's proximity because she wants to go a million miles away. It's it's getting in a vehicle. It's walking nicely with me. It's all of the games that are proximity-based in a difficult environment. But I really think we must be purposeful and intentional. Yeah. And you know, that, that brings up a really important point. And that is that actually your non-foodie dog will eat more when they oh are God. actually working a lot with more. that food. And so, you know, I've got this funny story and it, um, and th- th- this person won't mind me telling it. I was very early on in my dog training journey as a, as a dog trainer and my hairdresser said, I've got an interesting, um, an, an interesting dog for you. My little border terrier, his little, lovely little border terrier is called Jem. And little Jem she had a struggle and that is that she would only eat McDonald's cheeseburgers. And my hairdresser used to go to the drive-through of McDonald's to get the daily cheeseburger and Jem had lived on cheeseburgers for a couple of years and she would not eat anything else apparently. (laughs) And of course, then I'm like, this is a challenge. I like it. And it's also quite a hilarious challenge, right? And so um, what it is, I said, you know what? Um, Because... Would you mind? I think I got a free haircut from this as well. It was good. <laughs> Would you mind if I just borrowed Jem for like a couple of hours? And literally all I did with little Jem was got her chasing bits of food. Now, being a terrier, she kind of likes movement. She kind of likes chasing things. And I will never forget my hairdresser's jaw drop into the floor when I rolled a piece of food across the, the, the hair salon and Jem chased it. She didn't just chase it. She ate it. She chewed it. She swallowed it. And that was the first bit of kibble that she had eaten in years because actually she discovered a love for for cheeseburgers. And it was an experience, (laughs) right? And I think that's the big thing. And I think that leads nicely to our next tip. It's absolutely, it's not about the food you're using. Mm. So when we're creating food desire, food motivation, so many people, they want to change the food. They want to ask you what brand you're using. They say, Tom, what treats do you use? Lauren, what treats do you use? Can I buy the same treats as you? Where do you buy them? What do you do with them? How do you make them? Well, there's an answer for that. And it is whatever is in the car. Yeah, like literally for both Tom and I, um, we're very lucky in that our, we're not lucky, I think it's created. I think Mm. our dogs will all work for absolutely anything we use. And we'll use a real variety of things and Often I might buy what's on offer. Or I might mm-hmm. buy what's easiest available. I suppose in the in the in the sort of vicinity I'm in, I can go to any country mm-hmm. and I can still make sure my dogs have got good yeah. food. And I don't worry about what brand it is or um, what protein it is or anything. I just look at my dogs. I look at how they they feel. I look at how they're working, and I might mm-hmm. change it a little as I go. The big thing here is, and I think this is important information, and it's a bit like Gem and her cheeseburger. It's not about the food that you are giving. So I really don't want you to keep trying to change the food. And I think so many people, when they're tackling food motivation or food struggles or food worries or getting a dog to really want to eat food, 
they are trying to change the food left, right and center. Mm -hmm. Do not change the food left, right and center. You know, work with the food you've got. If your dog really isn't hungry, pop them away for a bit. Try them again in a few hours time. If it's a puppy, I'd say a couple of hours. If it's an adult dog, probably the evening or the next morning. What I wouldn't do is try them lots of time and then times and then learn to actively reject it. So it would be actually, I mean, I'm not particularly hungry today, but I've actually had a really big breakfast. Mm. So that's okay, right? Like if you're not particularly hungry or um, if I have a big evening meal, I might not want a big breakfast. So it's it's that type of thing. You often don't overface them. If they don't want to eat, try again the next day. Yeah. So next tip, um, and this is a, this is a real game changer for for dogs that that aren't particularly uh, excited about food, and that is three reps, three weeks. And what I mean by that, and this is going to sound initially going to be like what is keep your sessions super short and super fun, and do a maximum of three repetitions. Into in multiple sessions to get your dog's daily food, get to your dog's daily food allowance, but keep it short, keep it fun, keep it fast, and do that for three weeks. And at the end of the three weeks, you will be in a different place. Now, some of you are thinking, only three reps? Well, the thing is, I know, I know you are listening. And so I'm saying three reps because I know that if I say three repetitions, you're going to do six. Right? <laughs> um, and if I said six, you would have done 15. And so this is really about us saying, you know what, let's leave them. Let's leave the interaction with them wanting more rather than what can happen, which is us trying to post bits of food into their mouth, then rolling it around their mouth, then kind of thinking, if do I want to eat this or not? A dog with Tom and it chews. You should see Tom's oh, expression. He's like, there is something about <laughs> dog rolling a piece of food around the mouth that just drives me mad right and so uh, you know I'm working with little little baby gorse at the moment and I I I mean this is this is kind of how we roll we we were teaching a large group and we needed to show a game and I'd never trained gorse before I was like you know what I had it with me I'm like well no better time than now. Start let's right just, now. Let's just demo this game with this dog. Um, eight weeks old, never been trained before. Um, and um, I started to play the game and she rolled the piece of food around her mouth, but not just rolled it around her mouth. She then spat it out. And she spat it out. Lots of she people. looked at Tom. She looked at him like, yeah, try me. Yeah. And then she ran over to give me a cuddle. Yeah. And so it's just one of those yeah. moments that you've She's got like, to I go. I don't even like food. And, Actually um, hilarious. And the, you know, the funny thing is that was about three weeks ago, funnily enough. And today we've been um, doing some demos with her before hopping on here. And she is like, you know, chasing the food, Racing. sprinting for the food. She's trying to get the food out of my hand. And so you've almost got to create the chaos to then organize it later. Which kind of leads on to the next thing, which is, I think as humans, we try and add rules way too quickly. We're like, okay, now they like the food a tiny bit. You know what? Now let's put all these rules on the food and you've got to control yourself around the food and you've got to sit for the food and you've got to give me your paw for the food. Actually, how about grow food grow passion. as an experience grow, first? Grow love for it. Grow energy, enjoyment and experience. Mm-hmm. And then maybe later on when you've got enough of that, you can harness it. Yeah. Most people try to harness it way before they ever should harness it. Mm. Most people try to um, sort of put level of control Test in on it, it before just you quickly, grow just yeah. quickly. They, most people are in a rush. Yeah. And 
And actually what you need to do is, is allow the dog to, to develop that sort of passion. Okay, next tip for me is absolutely I do use high value. So mm. I do use high value yeah. and both Tom and I both use high value and we use it appropriately. So let's be honest, Blink, uh, she's my working spaniel. She is the cutest little thing and she would work for dust. Mm-hmm. I think Bet's pretty much the same. Yeah. If we were to up the value and give them high value, sometimes you'd lose oh, their brain because they're so excited. They're salivating. Yeah. They're just not with you. They are so excited about yeah. the high value. Yeah. So actually knowing when it's appropriate or who it's appropriate for, probably not those two ever really. Mm-hmm. They don't just they just don't yeah. need it. Whereas working with baby gorse yeah. or working um with if i was thinking one of mine probably tokyo mm-hmm. uh, border collie yeah. uh, particularly at the moment he's got girls around him that are in season yeah. and he can smell dogs in the in the training facilities that are smelling great and he's just a bit boyish mm. so for him i would use something high value baby it, gorse the same right? yeah and you know it's a bit of a journey like thinking about thinking about another dog that we've worked with today magma when we first started to demo games with her, it would probably be like chicken. Yeah, you did. But today, reflecting kibble. on it, it was the most boring kibble. Mm. And she's like keen and game. E- and eager bean. And, and you, you kind of got to be aware of, I guess, you know, as the experience grows, the value mm. can drop because it's more about the experience than the value. So I know sometimes people are like, I don't want to get stuck on high value. You're not going to get stuck on high value if you're doing more than just posting mm. it into mm. their mouth. You're actually yeah. growing it as an experience. And the cool thing is that when you've got a dog that you can kind of range it up and range mm. it down, it's quite a nice space to be in. Um, for me, easy will range up to like kibble, uh, sorry, chicken, mm. liver, all of those sorts of things are fantastic. Mm. But you can also scale it right back down to kibble depending yeah. on the environment. So when you're growing a food motivated dog, I think you've got to look at the environment appropriately, think this is what they need right now. This is what I'm going to use in this environment and actually work around that. So for me, in the agility environment, I'd use high value for a dog like Tokyo. If I was training him at home, I'd go back to kibble because mm. I think it's really easy. Yeah. It's easy on my hands. It's easy on using it. It's the same size. I know what's in it. Um, and for those people that are worried about what your dog's eating, I think you've got a great sort of um, line or two on this because I think yeah. a lot of people get very panicky about are they eating all of the right things? I wish I could be as obsessed with my uh, own diet as I am with my dogs and some of you guys are with your dogs. Um, For me, my dogs have a huge range. They have raw, cooked and kibble. They don't necessarily have it all at the same time, but they definitely do have all of that in their lifetime. Um, And to a degree, so do I. I eat some raw foods. I eat some cooked foods. um, I eat some dried foods. Like I eat lots of different things. And I think it's just worth, um, because people get very upset or worried or cautious about this food motivation. Absolutely. And I think one thing to, I guess, to be aware of and to think about is that sometimes we can get we can subscribe a little bit too much to say I don't know this whole concept of the ancestral diet and you know your, your dogs have to have a, a diet of raw meat and bones and twenty percent vegetable whatever you know version you subscribe to and it's because this is the ancestral diet. It, the reality is that if you are saying you, you're you're saying that you can only feed your dog a certain thing one. That takes away your options, right? You you now have really limits you. you now have one option. Two, if I'm being really honest, if we were talking about the ancestral diet of the domestic dog, well, dogs were domesticated around human settlements. They were eating a very varied diet of whatever humans left over that was edible, and predominantly that was human feces. So if we are feeding, moving on quickly, if we are feeding the ancestral diet, and you're you, you're really feeding it at home. I'm concerned. Okay. So you know, I joke about this, but you know, we've got to be aware of this whole marketing around the ancestral diet and how that you, you then feel like you have to stick to it. And that's the only option. The reality is that 
a, a varied diet that is complete over the course of a week. Okay, balanced over the course of a week. So, for and example, has fresh components. Easy had a very full Saturday,、mm-hmm. but then a very light Friday,、yeah. quite a light Sunday. Yeah, because she had a very full Saturday. Yeah, and then she didn't have any raw until、mm. we got back home Monday. Yeah, because I just didn't fancy traveling it. Yeah, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, and I just really didn't fancy packing、yeah. it up. Yeah, exactly. And so, effectively, you know what we what we've got is then we open up this world of flexibility because the reality is that if we were to think about the ancestral diet, we're not going to feed that exactly. But one thing that it does say to us is, you know what. That it was a varied diet. It was a diet that probably wasn't the same calorie intake day in、and、day out. It was probably a level of intermittent fasting within yeah, it. So、yeah. sometimes there were periods where there was nothing. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes where we've gone a little wrong in in where we are right now. It's people feed at eight a.m. and they、mm. feed at five p.m. and the dog、oh. is knocking on the door waiting for、yeah. food. And the reality is that you, you listening, yes, you,、um, you, you, you don't have three. Six hundred calorie meals a day to make up your daily calorie intake. Right? Some of you might not have breakfast. Some of you might have a light lunch and a big dinner. Right?、Um, and the the key is that actually sometimes our expectations of how our dogs need to eat and how they need to eat. If we think about ourselves, then. Actually, we're not really living by that,、okay. nor should we. A great example. I remember.、Um, I, no, don't do this. I, I was yeah eating a Domino's. I was literally having a Domino's, <laughs> and Matt and I were like, "Yes, let's have a Domino's." Anyway, one of the dogs tried to take a piece of pizza, and I remember being like, "Don't eat the Domino's. It's terrible food. Like it's horrendous. Like don't eat that." And I was like, "Oh God." That's actually what I'm eating, and so I think sometimes we put a standard on our dogs and our dog feeding that is way above our own. And you guys are probably giggling with me because I bet you're agreeing here. And actually, I think there's a level of trainability that comes、mm. with whatever is easy. So I think we're not saying don't feed your dog great quality food. What、no. we're saying is find what is a little bit easier sometimes. And、mm. if it is for you raw food or any other things, use that.、Mm. For me, I use a real mixture, and I try and make it very, very travelable,、uh, handleable, easy when I'm away, easy to use in different sort of、uh, treat. Bags or treat and trains or different ways to use things. I try and be quite versatile, quite yeah, flexible. Options. I definitely don't have any very strict rule.、Mm. I mean, I, there are there are certain foods I wouldn't feed, like certain kibbles I wouldn't、mm. feed,、exactly. and certain brands I wouldn't use. And no, we're not going into them. But for me, I do look at quality of what's in there. I want to、mm. see that there is meat in there. I want to see that there are、um, some other bits that I think are good for my dogs in、mm. there.、Um, obviously, Tom and I do supplement our dogs'、mm-hmm. foods with AOK nine, so our dogs、yeah. are on Prime and Flexi and Calm and, and other bits. But for me, most important. Is I don't get hung up on I must use this amount of food of this brand. It must be raw. I can't handle other games because of this. So、yeah. I think that's important, and I think it really helps with food motivation when you start to become a bit more、yeah. flexible. And, and the final, final, final thing we're going to say on that because it's a, a whole like rabbit warren、um, right there is actually if you were to think about the single biggest thing, if you could only pick one thing that would drastically and exponentially improve your dog's quality of life. Would it be how they experience the world and how they behave, or what they eat? It's going to be the first one, of course, because we're skilling them up to thrive in this world rather than survive. Food is survival. Actually, behavior and how they go through the world is thriving, right? And so, you know, if we had to pick between the two, and there had to be a compromise somewhere, which we're saying there doesn't have to be a compromise, but let's say there did have to be a compromise, we're still going to pick behavior because that is. Literally, life itself for our dogs, right? So, next tip is that actually, just like any other behaviour, whether it be walking nicely on a lead,、um, whether it be giving you eye contact, whether it be sitting when you ask for a sit, right? 
It's down to rehearsal, and so. The more your dog rehearses enjoying their food and being animated for their food, the more they will. So, in this three weeks where you do three three reps for three weeks, you're going to set them up to succeed. If you think in the environment that you've got them in that they're going to spit out that bit of food, well, guess what? We're not going to offer it to them. <laughs> and the important thing is here: those of you that have always free fed your dogs or had a bowl of food mm-hmm. on the floor or anything like that, that changes today. Yeah. Because you do not ever want your dog to practice any level of "I'm not going to eat this、mm. because this is on the floor." Nice to and- know it's there. No doubt. We've definitely <laughs> been there. Like we've definitely been there. And the thing for me is that the more your dog rehearses what you don't want, the more、mm-hmm. you are going to get that. So please, please acknowledge. You need to, to to know that when I offer this piece of food, they're going to want it. And if they don't, then I've probably tried one too many, or I need to change something up, or I need to not be doing this right now. But what I wouldn't do is give them the opportunity to say. I'm not interested, or no, I'm not coming back because I'm not really very hungry. And、um, I think it's a really interesting、um, point. A friend of mine's got birds of prey, Tom, and he only flies them when they're a certain weight or they're hungry.、Yeah. They will not fly them when they're not interested,、yeah. because they're not going to get them back. And I'm not saying that that's how we need to work with our dogs, but I am saying there's a level of、um, actually we don't want our dogs rehearsing. A very、eating. very recent example: a, few,、uh, a couple of weeks ago,、um, I was working on three three reps, three weeks with little baby gorse, and I'm like. It's interesting. She's she's kind of like looking around on the floor and and like hoovering around on the floor and kind of trying to get behind the back of the other dogs' crates and things and and then、um, and then you know she's not she she's not that hungry it seems sometimes and I realise that actually because she's so she's got such a small tummy I mean she weighs about one kilo she could actually fulfil her daily, her daily food, food allowance by the, by the little scraps that the other dogs left and so you know you kind of have to sometimes take a step back and think hold on a second this makes perfect sense as to why、You're、she's not, not really that hungry <laughs>、um, so just being aware of that now. Um, the the next tip、um, that that we've got for you is: is it that what makes you think that your dog doesn't value their food or isn't fo- isn't food motivated? Is it that they're not pinging at you and they're animated and they're they're bringing energy? Because that might be not to do with whether they're food motivated or not. It might be that they're quite thoughtful right now. And there's this whole idea and this whole concept that we talk about in training academy a lot. So those of you in training academy, you're going to know well, lots about it. Is This idea of is your dog a thinker or a doer? Are they the dog that takes a step back and observes and looks and assesses, or are they the dog that throws themselves into the situation, has a go, pushes harder when when they're struggling? Because the dog that sits back and processes and thinks, actually, they could be wrongly. Interpreted as、and、not being motivated. Actually, Tom and I—if you know any of our dogs—you'll know we have multiples、mm-hmm. uh, between us、yeah. and、uh, of each type. So、yeah. we have our doers. Some of you might be able to guess. Bet is a doer.、Yeah. Blink is a doer.、Yeah. We might have our thinkers. Classic is a thinker.、Yeah. Casino is a, is thinker. a thinker. Maybe it's because they're male. Anyway, Maybe、um, too funny. <laughs>、um, but the thing is,、uh, we both own, own both, and, and yet both have their qualities, and we need to assess them and work them、mm-hmm. correctly because, like. Tom said rightly so. You might think that your thinker is actually not very foody, whereas actually they're just a thinker, and you might be using your food in the wrong ways to、yeah. develop the food motivation that you're looking for. And the cool thing is, is that you know they go up and down this spectrum based on what they've been practicing recently. And it, you know you have those moments where they're in that perfect balance for what you need of being thinker doer. Like at the moment, I'd say Magma is in that perfect spot of she can do stillness, she can do engaged, she can equally do thinking. 
beyond the situation. And and yet, bet sometimes has a tendency towards do do do. I am doing, and I I'm not interested in what you're doing because I have decided what what you are doing, and therefore I'm doing it.、Um, and, um, and what we need to think about is well. What they practice each day, they become. So if you've got a thinker and you want to make them more animated, well, let's get them animated. Probably three reps, three weeks is going to really help that because they're going to be chasing the food. But it's not about rules. If you want to grow your dog to be more of a thinker, well, we're going to get them to do more precise things, more accurate things. Maybe some trick training that has some rules associated with it. Maybe it's lifting one paw. Maybe it's、um, doing duration sit or duration. Maybe、down. it's individually walk your legs backwards. So you're actually.、Yeah. Some finesse and precision on it. Ultimately, you guys can change that. You need to look at the dog and design the behaviours accordingly to the dog,、uh, and ultimately that will look like your food motivation is different. But、yeah. actually, what you're doing is you're using your behaviours correctly to enhance your food motivation and vice versa. Yeah. So, guys, we covered a lot. A lot.、Um, and we, the, our main job really is to make sure that you go forth and action it, and you share it. You、yeah. share it with all your friends. You share it with your dog training club. You share it with your training partner. You share it with the person you do agility with, obedience with, heel weights, music. With dog diving, with maybe you go.、Um, I don't know. You, you, maybe you're a gun dog、uh, enthusiast. Whatever you do, share this podcast because ultimately, sharing is caring, living is giving, and ultimately, you're going to make sure this ripple effect of positive dog、yeah. training reaches way more people. I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there that some sometime last week,、um, I was asking someone for some help on on something with one of my dogs, and they're they're in a completely different space, and and they gave me a really、um, Quite a punishing experience back, and and they said that what they use、uh, to correct a dog.、Um, I don't even know if I can say.、It. I think I can.、Mm. I think so, I can. I, I think, think I can. To know what's out there, they said that they would bite their dog's ear. <laughs> And、What? I, I, I kind of thought they were joking, but then I quite quickly realised they were not joking. I mean, and, one that's cruel. Two, it's unhygienic. It's just I mean, gross. It's like not, it's just bad,、nice. bad on every level. <laughs> bad on every level. And what I suppose was going through my head at that point is this cannot be for real.、Mm. Like this cannot、and、be for real. The challenge is, is a lot of people think that they have a, a dog that is not food motivated. They think there's nothing they can do about it, so they have to resort to some of the. Tools and harsh methods that are out there because they're not aware that actually that can change, and that's where you sharing this、and、podcast comes in. That's what it's about. You share, you show people there's another way. You show people a pathway.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you've heard from some of our other cool、um, sort of on our podcast people like Dan who thought that actually it was never possible、mm-hmm. uh, to have a, a positive uh, reinforcement um, opportunity like this. This is food motivation. This is relationship.、Yeah. This is relationship based learning. This is positive dog. Training. This is a great space where no dog or owner is ever lost、mm-hmm. or is ever left without a game. So、yeah. we absolutely know you can do this. This literally is a way of life. And please, please, please make sure you share this podcast. So with that, guys, that was this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Make sure to tune in next week and remember, stay, stay sexy. sexy! Stop right there, game changer. We have something very exciting to tell you about. If you struggle with stressful walks right now, so pulling your dog, yanking your arm out of its socket, just basically, it's painful, right? Now it's a struggle that you want to transform. You want to go from pulling on lead like a train to loose leash walking prince or princess, and we've got a solution for you. It is just twenty-seven pounds. It's a mini course that literally is going to be your zero to hero. 
hero of loose leash walking. Day by day, we're going to be showing you the games and skills and strategies that you are going to need to implement to transform your dog's leash behavior in the next two weeks. This is a complete package. You get to keep it for life. Yes, for life. And it's just £27 to you. Access it anywhere, keep it for live, no equipment required, and all you've got to do is go to absolutedogs.me forward slash stop pulling. And yes, it is just £27, Game Changers.